This is the Inspiration Science Podcast, your guiding podcast on evolving your own science and life to holistically thrive. We believe there is no general way of living and healing, but your universal way. You succeed the highest when you do you. On this podcast, we'll dive into deep conversations on mental health and aligning purpose to business for enlightening harmony in life. I'm your host, Osin June. Welcome everyone to the Inspiration Science Podcast. I'm so excited to announce today a guest speaker. She is, her name is Carmelia Ray. She is the celebrity matchmaker, a TV host and relationship media expert. Um, she's also the host of the Better Love Podcast and helped many people in having thriving relationships, but also when it comes to the social media game and media, um, she can definitely help you there to nail it. I'm so excited to have you on the show, um, Carmelia. I know I, I followed you a while and I know you're from Clubhouse. You're doing amazing content and I'm excited to have you on the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm actually in Canada and in, in a um, Blue Mountain at a cottage because I figured that what a great way to start the new year, a little bit of work and play. Uh, the weather's not the best for skiing, but I'm with my family and and this is uh, how I wanted to start my new year. So thank you for inviting me. And I'm really excited about talking about mental health and relationships and, and how they coincide and coexist. Yes, absolutely. Um, in, in terms of your journey, what inspired you to be a celebrity matchmaker and to focus especially on being an expert in relationships media? Like how did you start it and end up there? It's a long story. So I will try to condense a 30 plus year career into a minute. <laughs> I started <laughs> in matchmaking at a part-time job in 1992. So I worked in a call center and my role was to speak to singles who express an interest in, at that time, it was called together dating. Um, and my job was to screen and qualify and speak to singles that were curious about this dating service. And if you can think about early 90s in 92, social media didn't exist. Facebook launched uh, in 95, I think it was match.com launched in 95. Facebook and all those things ended up coming just a few years later. And online dating really entered the game uh, seriously in the last 15 years. So um, as a result of working part-time at this dating company, Obviously, it was clear to me, I really enjoyed talking to people, especially helping them in the area of their love life. That part-time job became my career, full-time management, all those things until 2010, when I decided I had over 18 years experience to my name. I met my current business partner who happens to be a webmaster, and he specialized in helping entrepreneurs launch their business and launch their brand. So I knew I had enough information experience to do this on my own. Um, so I started a blog in 2011. And then three years later, after a result of, you know, blogging and writing content and doing it on my own, a production company um, reached out to me to cast for a series called Mom Versus Matchmaker. And it was a reality show dating competition where a mom had to compete against me to see who would be a better, who would provide a better match for their millennial child, right? So I did that for four seasons. 
and the result of that and the success of that show um, led me to the celebrity status where I was now featured on television and media and uh, outlets were coming to me for dating advice. And I have then, since appeared, I don't know, multiple outlets, lots of different magazines and whatnot, um, and talking about relationships. So I really had a 30-year journey in the dating space, both from traditional matchmaking to online matchmaking to dating apps and social platforms and clubhouse. You know, I had a couple that met in my room and got married, and that was featured in the in the New York Times. And I uh, facilitate many introductions using uh, any means necessary. You can meet mm -hmm. on social media, on a social audio app, in the grocery store, on a dating site, at an event, uh, in church. There, there's just there's um, an unlimited number of possibilities where you can meet people, but then it comes down to finding that right person, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. But wow, that's incredible, you know, that it all led you to this. And that was kind of this ripple effect, giving you more opportunities to where you're at right now. Mm -hmm. um, it comes to like the whole match making. And I think, you know, having um, to have a good relationship, it requires having a certain mindset around it, which many people struggle. What do you think is the mindset to adopt to attract the right partner in terms of the matchmaking? I, there was, I, I, I had a little bit of a pause in your connection. So can you just repeat the last question? Yeah. Yeah, sure. So, you know, when it comes to have thriving relationships, like it requires to have a certain mindset. What is the mindset to adopt, to attract, like basically the right partner and in terms of the matchmaking? You know, mindset is really key to having success in any area of your life. It's particularly important when it comes to relationships. If you have the mindset that you're not going to meet anybody or the mindset that this isn't going to work or the mindset that um, I'm not good enough, and a lot of people struggle with the uh, challenge of not being good enough and secondarily trusting and seeing like, oh, is this somebody I can trust, right? Uh, so having the mindset that and believability that you can attract a great partner, that there are opportunities for you, that you will be in a relationship is important. And also not allowing failures and upsets and relationships that don't work to really stop you or prevent you from moving forward. You know, I think everyone uh, can relate to very painful relationship experiences. In mm -hmm. fact, most people struggle with relationships based on their childhood experiences. If you are interviewing any therapist, any psychologist, anybody who's had um, any role in, in coaching or therapy, we talk about mimicking or they talk about mimicking relationships and behaviors from what they're taught. So conceivably, if you come from a broken home or in your childhood, your idea of relationship is yelling and screaming and abuse or whatever is going on, or you come from a single parent home, or you come from a divorced family or whatever the case is, that is your, uh, you develop your attachment style. So that's something that's important to understand. And you also, you develop your understanding and um, concept of relationships. So not all of those are healthy. So it's really great when somebody can identify that, hey, 
my relationships aren't working. And part of that is because of a, their own behavior or their beliefs. And so when they're willing to do the work and discover what it's going to take for them to find that relationship, how to identify those behaviors that are stopping them from finding a great relationship. And also why do they keep attracting the same kind of partner, whether that's a toxic partner or whether they are enabling or whether they are too afraid to speak up for themselves. You know, a lot of people, when it comes to dating and online dating, there's like, is it okay? Can I say that I want a serious relationship or is it too soon to say that I want to have kids? Like people are afraid to ask for what they want. And part of being afraid to ask for what they want is that A, they may not feel that they deserve that. Like, can they really have it? And it, it, like, maybe they grew up in a situation where their voice didn't matter or where they were constantly shushed or shunned. When you grow up in that kind of situation where you're not praised for or encouraged to speak up, it's listen to me, do what you're told. And, you know, I'm, uh, you may not tell, I hope, but I, I've passed my my 50 years on earth okay and in that time i've learned a lot about myself i've learned a lot about my childhood i've learned a lot about my painful relationship experiences and all of that has to do again with habits and mindset and it is absolutely a work in progress it's something that people struggle with all the time yeah Wow, what an insight. Well, thanks so much for giving this broad spectrum. It was actually one of the next questions um, in terms of like um, the, the patterns, you know, because people, they sometimes attract the same partners and they know that this, per that this person is like toxic or not good for their mental well-being. And yet they don't get out of this relationship, whether it's an abusive relationship, a toxic one, um, mm -hmm. and so on. So what would you tell this person who has this awareness and still doesn't get out of this relationship and keeps threatening the same people? Like, how do you break the pattern? You know, the, the one thing about breaking the pattern is that they have to want to stop that cycle. And sometimes the, the change is scary for anybody. And when you start to get used to or accept that this is no longer serving you, right? When you, if you have that awareness, that's one thing, but you have to be willing to take the action to stop that or break that cycle. And, and really that is about A, your own inner self-worth and B, the support system that you have around you. I, when I uh, coached one client, her name is Jasenia. Uh, she is like, when you look at her, as you look at so many different people and you think that, oh, because they're beautiful and attractive and um, everybody loves them, like you would think these are people that have high self-worth and they can have whoever they want. But she had to break her own cycle of abuse, of abusive, toxic, relationships because I she also had that belief that hey this is what I deserve I don't deserve anything else so you have to have the willingness to be able to do that and just say no you know when they say cold turkey it's like that pivotal moment whatever needs to happen for those people to say okay I no longer want to live this life I need to make this change so seek out help 
that's a, there's a reason why there's a 12 step program for people with addictions, because it takes a village. It takes an army. It takes your family, yourself, a lot of people to support you in that plan. And that's accountability. You know, social media can be, there's pros and cons to social media, but when you say it to the world or to the universe that, oops, there's a, sorry about that incoming call. When you say it to the world, the universe, I want this. And then you take the actions to support that. I would say you, you need to get help first. And the first thing you want to do is, is get out of that toxic relationship by exploring those options. Feel like you have options and create them. If, they're, if they don't exist now, have a plan and be realistic. And the only other thing I would say um, with regards to those that are in a dire situation, when you, like, I can't tell you how um, every day I'm reading really sad and tragic news about men and women who are victims of domestic abuse or violence. Like, this is serious stuff. And then, you know, you're, you're, you're the family is left thinking, oh, I didn't know. So talk about it, speak about it, and get support and help. Yes. Wow. That's so beautiful. But yeah, I think from what you mentioned, it, it comes down to self-worthiness. I think in business in general, to make more money, to make more impact, to be in better, you know, relationship and things. Um, I'm also curious to know, like when it comes to apart from the self-worthiness, once you have that, it requires a certain compatibility with the person that yes. is important as a foundation. Do you think there is such thing as there, you know, there is this minimal compatibility or do you think compatibility can be evolved because sometimes people think now it's not a match and then it kind of still works out so do you think it is something that just evolves or it's just there or not there you know i there compatibility can evolve but at the same time you can you can be compatible let's say what can evolve is like your interests Typically, and, and I'm going to quote uh, a study from Dr. Terry Orbuck. She is uh, coined the love doctor. So she wrote a book on the science of love. And there's five key life values that are very, very important to have as fundamental compatibility with any partner. And this study is, is, uh, is conducted over a 35-year span I think about 300 to 350 couples that were married in the beginning, but over the course of 35 years, some of these couples are divorced, widowed, a few have stayed together, but it was really, it's really a lifetime research on what makes long-term happiness. So the five key life values that are most important is beliefs about money and finances. So fundamentally, you need to have that similar belief. Secondly, is beliefs about family and children. A lot of times divorce happens because the, the concept of family, how to raise kids are very different. So you want to make sure that that's compatible. The third is beliefs about the role of faith, religion, and spirituality. We see the impact of that every day in war and in history when religion and, and spirituality is not compatible. It can cause a lot of drama and a lot of stress in a coupled relationship. The fourth is beliefs about the importance of your job or career. And that is also true, whether you're an entrepreneur, a stay-at-home mom, um, you know, a business, all of that is, is part of your lifestyle as well, right? And then finally, it's beliefs about your health and fitness. People who have certain, live a certain lifestyle want to uh, have a relationship with someone that shares that lifestyle. And you know, your romantic partner is likely the most 
impactful and influential person in your life. This is the person that you live with, that you sleep with, that you eat with, that you make major life decisions with. It was Sheryl Sandberg that said, the COO of Facebook, um, the most important career choice you make is the person you marry. So with respect to what you said about compatibility, yeah, I might not like golfing, but you know, I can learn to play golf or I can do that. Those are not essential for long-term compatibility. So trying to change somebody fundamentally at the core about their beliefs is likely not going to work or you're going to deal with um, having to constantly, um, you know, maybe be at uh, be in conflict with that particular topic. And so if two people are really willing, hopefully they can work that out. But when you're on one side of the fence and the other one person's on the other side of the fence, that's a lot of conflict. And that's likely percentages show that when you're not compatible in those five key areas, there's a higher probability for divorce and uh, separation. Yes. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's it kind of leads to the thing of what is the most common reason why most relationships or marriages fail. And as you mentioned, like the spirituality, the beliefs and things really important. And, you know, what is like the thing, like in the opposite way, what is the thing that keeps the spark alive in a long-term relationship after marriage and so on? Like what um, advice would you share there? I think it's about intentionality. And it's about not uh, getting comfortable and making it your mission to keeping that spark alive is intentional. It is, we can easily fall into this routine. We forget to date our partners. When you wanted that person, when you wanted to attract them, you were all about impressing them. When you don't care about that, like how many relationships failed in the pandemic? Because you know what? You saw your partner every day in their pajamas. They didn't brush their teeth. They didn't get dressed. They're just, eh, you lose that attraction. So mm -hmm. attraction is really a lot about how you feel when you're around this person. If this person is no longer giving you the, the sense of importance, the sense of appreciation, like feeding their love language. First, you have to know what their love language is and you have to know what makes them happy. Uh, there was a, I forget, I think it was Paul Carrick Brunson. He is a also relationship expert. And he had shared this story. Uh, he asked this older guy that was married to this woman, or maybe it was article. They were married, I don't know, 60, 70 years. And they asked him, what's your secret to your happy marriage? And he said, you know, every morning I ask my wife, what can I do today to make you happy? Like, this is something that it's so simple and it was so touching, but does your partner say to you every morning, honey, what's something that I can do today to put a smile on your face or to make you happy? It's that kind of intentionality that really keeps that spark alive. So I strongly encourage having weekly date nights, at least monthly date nights. If your schedule is so busy that you cannot make time to just you and your partner, um, that is going to eventually cause uh, you to question why you're in this relationship. There's always some kind of benefit. And it's not like, okay, keeping score, but really keeping this to get your partner now you have to work to keep them mm -hmm. wow thank you so much that's so great and you know when it comes to the whole thing in you know relationship 
and um, building these connections as an entrepreneur. I know a lot of ambitious women and they have a hard time sometimes in the dating life. I mean, it could also go for men, but they're like business career first. I don't want distraction alpha women. And they're, you know, they have a lot of masculine power as well. Um, in your experience working, how do you think that an entrepreneur requires an entrepreneur to have another partner on in terms of compatibility? Or you're like, no, actually, oh. what do you see like going on in terms of that? Oh my goodness. This is the magic question and it gets asked a lot. I, I, I would say if you asked another entrepreneur, if they want to date another entrepreneur, mm -hmm. It could go, it's 50-50 because in one sense, as an entrepreneur, there's always pros and cons to anything, including working with somebody who's a nine to fiver. If you are an employee at a job, to a very large degree, you are restricted to how many days you can travel, how much flexibility you have in your schedule because you have a schedule. Now, to, a, to in another degree, at least when you have a schedule, you can plan things, right? As an entrepreneur, sometimes you try to plan things and it goes out the window. So regardless of whether you're an entrepreneur or someone who works in a traditional role, you really have to ask yourself, what does your ideal relationship look like? How much time do you want to spend to your partner? Is it important for you that your partner is able to drop things out of hat or is it more important that you have somebody stable in your home, making sure that, uh, you know, they take care of the kids or responsibilities or whatever? Uh, a, a great example of two entrepreneurs uh, on my podcast, Relationship Podcast, I interviewed both Grant Cardone, billionaire mm -hmm. real estate agent, and his wife, Elena Cardone. And, you know, together, they are incredible. They build an, actually, Elena wrote the book, How to Build an Empire. And at the same time, they have agreements with the responsibilities and roles between their relationship because they both know that at every time, each of their needs can't be important all the time. How are they going to get anything done if she thinks, well, my tasks are important and his tasks are important. So it's always going to come to a level, some agreement, some relationship agreement of some sort. So she makes all the decisions that are pertinent for the kids. He makes all the decisions that are pertinent for investing. She makes all the decisions about what to eat and cook as an example, right? Mm -hmm. And at the same time, they have to trust that their partner is going to make the best decision for what's good for the family and what's good for the coupled relationship. And, you know, when you think about that, you have to give up as an individual, what's good for me? Because what's good for you isn't always good for the relationship or for the family. So that is something that you have to really sit down and talk about. So you're not constantly arguing about it. And when you agree to it, you have to be your word about it. Now, it doesn't mean that maybe after every five years or a couple of years, you do an assessment and say, hey, and that's what Grant says. He'll say, so Elena, how did I score in the, in the love department this, uh, you know, month or how did I score in the finance department? Because they also take accountability. Are they doing their job responsibly? Are they living up to their word and commitment as a parent, as a mother, as a partner? These are things that you have to be willing to talk about and talk about them often and talk about them frequently. Because when people do not talk about it and they fail to communicate, then, uh, you know, the four deadly horsemen of relationship failure is stonewalling, criticism, contempt, 
And there's, there's one other one that I, I, it's, it's, it's failing me right now, but those are the things that, that will break your relationship, constantly criticizing, silencing, not communicating, Mm -hmm. being resentful, resentments, right? When you do that, that's going to really break your relationship. So foster effective communication, think about what's good for the relationship and uh, you have to be selfless most times but you also have to schedule time for yourself. You know, that's where resentments comes in because your life can't just all always all the time be about serving your partner. You have to have for your own mental health, some space for yourself to do the things you like to do. So you don't feel lost in that relationship, which, which I hear all the time. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting insight. And I love the example of Grant Cardone and Elena, like that they have these things. I mean, everyone has their own way of doing things. And this is what this podcast is about. Your mm-hmm. unique way. So people evolve their own framework in life. Um, and then in terms of the communication, it's such an important thing in, in order to have a healthy communication. And um, it, it is known that women are more emotionally wired. And sometimes the guys, they don't really ask you know, women's emotions and feelings where they're more logically driven. What do you think is kind of the biggest difference in terms of like the art of being the woman and then the art of being a man, how (laughs) they are in relationships and how can they better their communication level? I think you'd have to read uh, John Gray's book, uh, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus to truly understand that. I'm saying that because in, in reality, when you think of a heterosexual relationship, you are correct. Men typically are the logical thinkers, like direct. Women are more the feely, emotional. You know, they want to talk about things. With respect, your question was, how, how do they, what are the biggest differences? Yeah, what are the biggest differences and how can they better their communication? How can they better their communication? Number one, you have to understand that you are dealing with somebody who may not communicate the way you like to communicate, okay? So don't assume that the way you communicate is the way they want to receive that, right? So it's about starting with the conversation of communication. Primary example, today dating can be really tough because some people are texters versus callers versus video chats, uh, you know? So Sometimes when people don't get a text right away because you're not, you know, communicating the way they like, they automatically make this assumption, oh, they must not like me because they took two hours to respond to my text, as an example. Mm -hmm. So really it's about understanding that you are communicating with a unique individual who is the opposite sex. So ask them, how do they like to communicate? Ask them, um, you know, what are the signs or ways if you're upset that I should look out for so that we can talk about those things. The other thing is to never have conversation or avoid conversation when either one of you is really heated. Because when you're in a highly emotional state, you'll tend to say and do things that you might regret. So the, the, the aspect is respecting your partner's boundaries, respecting their emotional tolerance for communication. If you are highly anxious, and that's your attachment style, and someone is more avoidant, the highly anxious person tends to want to talk, 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 and prioritize and whatnot, and and worry, worry, worry. Whereas the, and and when you do that, it's also being responsible for how are you communicating? Do you know your communicating style? 
Are you accountable to the way that you show up in front of your partner? Many people are all too easy to say, well, they didn't, or he didn't, and she didn't. We're not mind readers. I think one of the biggest concerns that women have is, well, I hinted, my body language said this, he should know better or she should know. No, they don't. Don't play those games. Be com Communicate clearly, right? And so I think it also boils down to knowing your partner's communication style, knowing what are your strengths, weaknesses, and triggers. Guess what? People don't even know their triggers or that they have them. They just react to them and they just behave a certain way. And then the partner's thinking, what the heck is going on, right? So it, it's really about being curious and wanting to find the dynamic where you both feel safe, you both feel comfortable to be each other's confidant. So there's so much to unpack there with respect to communication, but really it's about not assuming this person communicates the way you like to communicate and asking for clues or signs or say, hey, what are off limit topics? What's something that you're really sensitive about that I, you know, shouldn't approach or touch? Like depending on the time of month, let's say for me, if I gained a couple of, uh, uh, gained some weight and I'm thinking this month, I'm like super sensitive to my weight gain. And maybe my partner normally jokes around about my weight, but then if all of a sudden I'm like snappy at him because Oh, should you eat a piece of cake, dear? And I'm thinking, how rude. When when last month he would say that, I'd be like, something different. Yeah, it's also, yeah. if there's different changes or you're noticing that you're getting irritated about something, just say it to your partner. You know, honey, this just, please don't comment about my weight right now. I'm very sensitive to it. I'd rather you be more encouraging than to poke fun at me because it's it's just not going to work. Okay, so you yeah. want to you want to identify those things and communicate with them when things change in how you feel. We're 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 not we're fluid individuals. As much as there's consistency, sometimes we go through life changes or something happens and we discover uh, something about ourselves that our partner needs to know. So we need to tell that to our partners. Yeah. Well, that's such a great thing. I think one of the things that you mentioned is like re recognizing what triggers us. And it's very true. I, I definitely, you know, see myself in certain situations where you just get like pissed off, like for not much, you know, like for not really much. And then the guy's like, are you angry? I'm like, no. And you know, <laughs> it's not good. No, but I'm not angry. One. You should know. Right, yeah, but you know, that type of mentality. When you are triggered, like very few people, they'll just react to the trigger and they won't address it. But when you think, wow, I really got upset when, when they talked about this. Or, you know, a lot of times people will keep bringing up the past, you know, and words have, have meaning for a lot of people. And if you continue to bring up the past, guess what? It's no longer the past, it's right here, it's present. So mm -hmm. what do you need to do to, to leave it where it is, right? And that's a, I think that's a big issue for people is that they keep bringing that past into the present and now it goes into the future. So really, uh, if there's unresolved issues, if there's triggers your partner doesn't know about, but you just react to them, it's like, oh, you didn't tell them. So they're gonna continue to do the thing or say the thing and eventually you're gonna bite their head off. So it's important that you understand what those triggers are. And when you are feeling this way, 
sit back and ask yourself, mm -hmm. hmm, is this real? Is this, it, it, should I have gotten angry? Um, is this just an assumption I made? A lot of times people get upset because they're in their head and they're, they're, they're assuming that this is what's going on. And their poor partner is like a deer in headlights going, what did I do? <laughs> you know? Yes, I can definitely see that. But wow, that's that's such a great thing. I mean, the whole awareness around that's to have it for oneself and then around the partner. Um, and I do know, I mean, a whole another thing. You also mentioned mental health with associated with psychedelics and like yes. relationship that this can lessen apparently like depression sound or improve you know in terms of when people struggle with anxiety um could you share us a bit more insights on that how that would help yeah you know psychedelics are something that are 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 more frequently talked about i'm i am good friends and a brand ambassador for dr sanjeev and for those who are interested they can go to peak human.ca that's p-e-a-k-h-u-m-a-n.ca peakhuman.ca and he talks a lot about psychedelics and i've been doing a lot of research on that um now i do not want to give medical advice however you know things like psilocybin and mushrooms and and other um psychedelics because there's just so many of them have now through holistic medicine and through shamans and healers, and you talk about ayahuasca, there have been a lot of reports that the use of this kind of treatment has helped with things such as PTSD, anxiety, sleep, all of those things. We've, we have lots of research that shows that CBD, the CBD oil or cannabis can help with relaxation and mood altering in a happy way. I've never seen an angry person doing marijuana. I mean, I just haven't seen it. I haven't seen anybody. Yeah. They're mostly chill, right? There you can, so many memes about that. Your problems go away sometimes when you are doing psychedelics. But I certainly think that they should be ingested and consumed with, whether it's a, a practitioner and someone who understands it, to, uh, and obviously talk to your uh, medical doctor, of course, uh, but they are natural ingredients. These are not chemically altered ingredients that can help with rest, relax relaxation, PTSD, um, and so many other effects. So I am all for it. And in 2023, I personally will be exploring and am doing more um, of that kind of holistic therapy versus, um, you know, taking, for me, um, medications that are prescribed by doctors or chemical, um, everyone has different reactions, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really about being curious about it and knowing if something hasn't worked, this could be a good alternative for you. Yes. Well, what an interesting insight. I've never heard, by the way, about, you know, like taking psychedelics and things. I could just imagine in terms of the improvement. So that's something new. Oh, yeah. You can do, you can microdose. So microdosing mushrooms. So funny, my younger brother uh, for Christmas got me this mushroom in like this coffee for okay. uh, focus. Um, and I, and it was all, it was a, it's a coffee blend that are all ground mushrooms and I'm thinking, ooh, mushroom coffee, awesome. <laughs> but it was great. And I think it really helped with the focus and it tastes amazing. So, 
you know, you, you pay more for that coffee, but who knows what's in the coffee at, you know, sorry, Starbucks or Tim Hortons or whatever. Like, I don't know. I, but I think having this kind of opportunity and option is something that uh, I'm going to be looking at. And I definitely would recommend uh, those who are interested in alternative mes medicine or holistic healing to explore it. Yes. Wow. That's amazing. I'll, you know, I'm definitely interested in that. So I'm going to look. I'll send you some well. links for sure. Oh, I'll send you some amazing. links. Yeah. I'm going to link also some of the things for the listeners and the audience who are interested in that. And I know, Carmelia, we could probably go on so much in terms of so many deep topics and it comes to relationships. So um, I have one last question to you to wrap yeah. this whole interview up, which is what would you tell to those people who are right now single? Sometimes they are frustrated, you know, they don't find the right partner. And maybe for those, you know, who are just like still, you know, like soul searching for their partner, what would you tell them? You know, this is the new year. It is never too late to reset, to regroup and refocus. If you are frustrated, know that coming from a place of frustration typically doesn't yield uh, happy outcomes. You know, you have to focus on that mindset and belief that you can attract and have that partner. Many times, your self-love and self-worth. When there's frustration, and sometimes the frustration is because they've done the work and it's still not happening. So then it's time to exercise patience and also to find other activities in your life that bring you fulfillment so that you're not defined by being in a partnership. I think that for people who are single and they attach, being in a relationship means they have more value. That's putting a lot of, of pressure on yourself. You are perfectly fine as a single person. So accept that you're a single person and you're perfectly fine. And then regroup, refocus, know what you're looking for, set those strong boundaries, work with a professional. I, anybody who's single that's listening to this podcast, you can join my free network at carmeliaray.com. And if we can find a partner for you, great. Work with a coach, find somebody that can support you. Because if you bring that frustration and that disbelief, guess what? When you're on a date, it doesn't go away. You're mm -hmm. going to do and say and behave in ways that will prove that will make them not want you. It's kind of like self-sabotaging. Oh, they don't want me anyway, so I'm not gonna. I'll just won't show up or I won't arrive on time. That's what happens. Your self, your your beliefs dictate your actions. So if you believe that you're a high value man or woman, you're gonna do what high value men and women do. They have good habits, they eat well, they sleep well, they take care of themselves, they care about their lifestyle. You know, that's the thing that I'm thinking, okay, I wanna lose 10 pounds. What would a person who wants to lose 10, what kind of choices would they make when they're eating? What kind, well, I know they're not gonna eat a bag of Doritos if they wanna lose 10 pounds, right? So have that vision and that couple and that believability. Sometimes they've never seen those examples and so get that inspiration and find it from, you know, the universe has a lot of wonderful um, couples and, and examples of strong partnerships. If you're around an environment where everything is, is nasty and yelling and whatnot, it, it's difficult to see yourself outside of that. So there, that, that's it. It's really just regroup, refocus and get that support and start with self-love. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Carmelia, for sharing that. 
And, you know, I just want to like point out over the whole podcast that we did that your contribution sharing about this expertise, I think it's so important because mental well-being although has so many elements. I think it comes down in life to great relationships and looking into different studies or TEDx talks, um, you know, interviewing so many people um, after the lifelong um, study there, it was actually the outcome was um, people who have more fulfilling relationships, they tend to live longer. And, you know, choosing your partner is obviously the biggest jackpot in life because it affects just all areas in your life as well. So I think, you know, that's so great. So I'm going to link all the things that you mentioned also below your socials as well. You have a preferred way on how people can connect with you. My website is probably, or Instagram, uh, but my Instagram DMs get so full, uh, especially if we're not following each other. I, it could get lost in the, in the, the DM, um, how do I say that? The DM cemetery. So yeah. go to my website, carmeliaray.com. You can fill out an application or you can ask a question in the contact form. Please follow me on social media at Carmelia Ray everywhere. And if I can be of service or someone on my team can be, would love to do that. And because I had such a great time with you, Ozen, I will uh, call you back and then I'll have you as a guest on my podcast so you can share all of your learnings and what you've learned about love and relationships with my audience. So thank you so much. Thank you so much as well, Carmelia. Okay, beautiful souls, thank you so much for taking time out of your day life to untangle wisdom and abundance on all levels. If you feel connection to this audio experience, share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram, Your Universal Way, and my personal Instagram, Ozinjun, O-C-C-I-N-J-U-N. And always remember, there is no right or wrong way, just your universal way. See you next time.